Chapter Six of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Laura Riley. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah Grand. Chapter Six. Mr. and Lady Adeline Hamilton Wells, with the inevitable twins, came constantly to Frelinghuysen while Avadne was in the schoolroom and generally during the holidays, that she might be at liberty to look after the twins, whose moral obliquities she was supposed to be able to control better than anybody else. They once told their mother that they liked Avadne because she was so good, and Lady Adeline had a delicious moment of hope. If the twins had begun to appreciate goodness, they would be better themselves directly, she was thinking, when Diavolo exclaimed, we can shock her easier than anybody, and hope died prematurely. They had been a source of interest, and also of some concern, to Avadne from the first. She took a grave view of their vagaries, and entertained doubts on the subject of their salvation should an all-wise providence catch them peering into a sewer, resolve itself into a poisonous gas, and cut them off suddenly." a fate which had actually overtaken a small brother of her own, who was not a good little boy either, a fact which was the cause of much painful reflection to Avadne. She understood all about the drain and the poisonous gas, but she could not fit in the all-wise providence acting only for the best, which was introduced as a primary agent in the sad affair by their dear Mr. Campbell, as her mother called him, in a most touching and strengthening discourse he delivered from the pulpit on the subject if binny were naughty and binny was naughty beyond all hope of redemption according to the books there could be no doubt about that for he not only committed one but each and every sin sufficient in itself for condemnation all in one day too when he could and twice over if there were time he disobeyed orders, he fought cads, he stole apples, he told lies. In fact, he preferred to tell lies. Truth had no charm for him. And all these things he was in the habit of doing regularly to the best of his ability when he was cut off. And how such an end could be all for the best if the wicked must perish, and it is not good to perish, was the puzzle. There was something she could not grasp of a contradictory nature in it all that tormented her. The doctrine of purgatory might have been a help, but she had not heard of it. She told the twins the story of Binny's sad end once in the orthodox way, as a warning, but the warning was the only part of it which failed to impress them. And do you know, she said solemnly, there were some green apples found in his pockets after he was dead, actually. What a pity! Diavolo exclaimed. If they had been found in his stomach, it would have been so much more satisfactory. How did he get the apples? Off the tree or out of the storeroom? I don't know, said Avadne. They wouldn't have green apples in the storeroom, Angelica thought. Oh, yes, they might! Diavolo considered. Those big cooking fellows, you know, they're green enough. But they're not nice, said Angelica. No, but you don't think of that till you've got them, 
was the outcome of Diavolo's experience. "'Is your storeroom on the ground floor?' he asked of Odney. "'No,' she answered. "'Is there a creeper outside the window?' he pursued. "'No, creepers won't grow because a big lime-tree hangs it.' The children exchanged glances. "'I shouldn't have made that room a storeroom,' said Angelica. "'Lime-trees bring flies. There's something flies like on the leaves.' "'But any tree will bring flies if you smear the leaves with sweet stuff,' said Diavolo. "'You remember that copper beech outside Papa's dressing-room window, Angelica?' "'Yes,' she said thoughtfully. "'He had to turn out of his dressing-room this summer. He couldn't stand them.' "'But was Binny often caught, Avodny?' Diavolo asked. "'Often,' she said. "'And punished?' "'Always.' "'But I suppose he had generally eaten the apples,' Angelica suggested anxiously. "'It's better to eat them at once,' sighed Diavolo. "'Did you say he did everything he was told not to?' "'Yes.' "'I expect when he was told not to do a thing, he could not think of anything else until he had done it,' said Angelica. "'And now he's in heaven,' Diavolo speculated looking up through the window with big, bright eyes pathetically. The twins thought a good deal about heaven in their own way. Lady Adeline did not like them to be talked to on the subject. They were indefatigable explorers, and it was popularly supposed that only the difficulty of being present at an inquest on their own bodies, which they would have thoroughly enjoyed, had kept them so far from trying to obtain a glimpse of the next world, they discovered the storeroom at Frelingay half an hour after they had discussed the improving details of Binny's exciting career, and had found it quite easy of access by means of the available lime-tree. They both suffered a good deal that night, and they thought of Binny. "'But there's nothing in our pockets. That's one comfort,' Diavolo exclaimed suddenly, to the astonishment of his mother, who was sitting up with him. Angelica heaved a sigh of satisfaction. Avodny's patience with the twins was wonderful. She always took charge of them cheerfully on wet days and in other times of trouble, and managed them with infinite tact. "'How do you do it, my dear?' Lady Adeline asked. "'Do you talk to them and tell them stories?' "'No,' said Avodny. "'I don't talk much. I just don't lose sight of them, or interfere.' if I can possibly help it. The twins had no reverence for anything or anybody. One day they were in Avodny's little sitting-room, which overlooked the courtyard. It was an antechamber to her bedroom, and peculiarly her own by right of primogeniture. Nobody ever thought of going there without her special permission, except, of course, the twins. But even they assumed hypocritical airs of innocent apology for accidental intrusion when they wanted to make things pleasant for themselves. On this particular occasion, Avodny was sitting beside her little work-table, busy with her needle, and the twins were standing there together looking out of the window. "'There's Papa,' said Diavolo. "'He's going for a ride,' said Angelica. "'Doesn't he mount queerly?' Diavolo observed. He'd be safer in a bath-chair. Not if we were wheeling him, Angelica suggested with a chuckle. What shall we do? yawned Diavolo. Shall we fight? 
"'Yes, let's,' said Angelica. "'You must do no such thing,' Avadney interfered. "'Not fight? Why?' Angelica demanded. "'We must fight, you know,' Diavolo asserted. "'I don't see that,' said Avadney. "'Why should you fight?' "'It's good for the circulation of the blood,' said Angelica. "'Warms a body, you know.' "'And there's the property, too,' said Diavolo. "'We've got to fight for that.' Avadney did not understand, so Angelica kindly explained. "'You see, I'm the eldest, but Diavolo's a boy, so he gets the property because of the entail, and we neither of us think it fair, so we fight for it, and whichever wins is to have it. I won the last battle, so it's mine just now, but Diavolo may win it back if we fight again before Papa dies.' That's why he wants to fight now, I expect. Yes, Diavolo candidly confessed, but we generally fight when we see Papa go out for a ride. Because you are afraid he will catch you and punish you as you deserve, if he's at home, I suppose, you bad children. Not at all, said Angelica. It's because he looks so unsafe on a horse. You never know what'll happen. It's kind of a last chance, said Diavolo and that makes it exciting. But wouldn't you be very sorry if your father died? Avadney said. The twins looked at each other doubtfully. Should we? Diavolo said to Angelica. I wonder, said Angelica. One wet day they chose to paint in Avadney's room because they could not go out. She found pictures and got everything ready for them good-naturedly, and then they sat themselves down at a little table opposite each other, but the weather affected their spirits and made them both fractious. They wanted the same picture to begin with, and only settled the question by demolishing it in their attempts to snatch it from each other. Then there was only one left between them, but happily they remembered that artists sometimes work at the same picture, and it further occurred to them that it would be an original method, or funny, as they phrased it, for one of them to work at it wrong side up. So Angelica daubed the sky blue on her side of the table, and Diavolo flung green on the fields from his. They had large, genial mouths at that time, indefinite noses, threatening to turn up a little, and bright dark eyes, quick glancing, but with no particular expression in them, no symptom either of love or hate, nothing but living interest. It was pretty to see Diavolo's fair head touching Angelica's dark one across the little table, but when it came too close, Angelica would dunt it sharply out of the way with her own, which was apparently the harder of the two, and Diavolo would put up his hand and rub the spot absently. He was too thoroughly accustomed to such sisterly attentions to be altogether conscious of them, the weather darkened down. I wish I could see, he grumbled. Get out of your own light, said Angelica. How can I get out of my own light when there isn't any light to get out of? Angelica put her paintbrush in her mouth and looked up at the window thoughtfully. Let's make it into a song, she said. Let's, said Diavolo, intent upon making blue and yellow into green. No light have we and that we do resent, and learning this, the weather will relent, repent, relent, amen. Angelica sang, 
Diavolo paused with his brush halfway to his mouth and nodded intelligently. Now, said Angelica, and they repeated the parody together, Angelica making a perfect second to Diavolo's exquisite treble. Evadne looked up from her work, surprised. Her own voice was contralto, but it would have taken her a week to learn to sing a second from the notes, and she had never dreamt of making one. I didn't know you could sing, she said. Oh, yes, we can sing, Angelica answered cheerfully. We've a decided talent for music. Angelica can make a song in a moment, said Diavolo. Let me paint your nose green, Evadne. You can paint mine if you like, said Angelica. No, I shan't. I shall paint my own. No, you paint mine and I'll paint yours, Angelica suggested. Well, both together, then, Diavolo answered. Honest Injun, Angelica agreed, and they set to work. Avadne sat with her embroidery in her lap and watched them. Their faces would have to be washed in any case, and they might as well be washed for an acre as for an inch of paint. She never nagged with, don't do this, and don't do that, about everything, if their offenses could be summed up and wiped out in some such way all at once. We'll sing you an anthem some day, Angelica presently promised. Why not now, said Avadne. The spirit does not move us, Diavolo answered. But you may forget, said Avadne. We never forget our promises, Angelica protested as proudly as was possible with a green nose. Nor did they, curiously enough. They made a point of keeping their word, but in their own way, and this one was kept in due course. The time they chose was when a certain grand duke was staying in the house. They had quite captivated him, and he expressed a wish to hear them sing. "'Shall we?' said Diavolo. "'We will,' said Angelica. "'Not because he's a prince, but because we promised Evadne an anthem.' and we might as well do it now, she added with true British independence. The prince chuckled. What shall it be? said Diavolo, settling himself at the piano. He always played the accompaniments. Papa, I think, said Angelica. What is Papa? Lady Adeline asked anxiously. Very nice, or you wouldn't have married him, answered Angelica. Go on, Diavolo. If you sing flat, I'll slap you. If you're impertinent, miss, I'll put you out, Diavolo retorted. Go on, said Avadne sharply, fearing a fight. But to everybody's intense relief, the prince laughed, and then the twins' distinguished manners appeared in a new and agreeable light. Papa, 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 they sang. Papa says that we, that we that we are little devils, and so we are, we are, we are, and ever shall be, world without end. I am a chip, Diavolo trilled exquisitely. I am a chip, thou tart a chip, thou tart a chip, Angelica responded. We are both chips, they concluded harmoniously, chips of the old old block and as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen 
"'You sang that last phrase flat, you pulp!' cried Angelica. "'I can't both sing and play,' Diavolo protested. "'You'll say you can't eat and breathe next,' she retorted, giving his hair a tug. "'What did you do that for?' he demanded. "'Just to waken you up,' she answered. "'Are they always like this?' the prince asked, much edified. "'This is nothing.' groaned Mr. Hamilton Wells. "'Nothing if it is not genius,' the prince suggested gracefully. "'The ineffectual genius of the nineteenth century, I fancy, which betrays itself by strange incongruities and contrasts of a violent kind, but is otherwise unproductive,' Mrs. Orton Begg whispered to Mr. Frayling incautiously. Lady Adeline looked up. "'I could not help hearing,' she said." "'Oh, Adeline, I am sorry,' Mrs. Orton Begg exclaimed. "'I thank you,' said Lady Adeline, sighing. "'Courtly phrases are pleasant plums, even to latter-day palates, which are losing all taste for such dainties, but they are not nourishing. I would rather know my children to be merely naughty, and to spend my time in trying to make them good, than falsely flatter myself that there is anything great in them, and indulged them on that plea, until I had thoroughly confirmed them in faults which I ought to have been rigorously repressing. "'You're right there,' said Mr. Frayling. "'But all the same, you'll be able to make a good deal of that boy, or I'm much mistaken. And as for Angelica, why, when she is at the head of an establishment of her own, she will require all her smartness. But teach her housekeeping, Lady Adeline, that is the thing for her.' Evadne was sitting near her father, not taking part in the conversation, but attending to it, and Lady Adeline, happening to look at her this moment, saw something which gave her pause to ponder. Evadne's face recalled somewhat the type of old Egypt, Egypt with an intellect added. Her eyes were long and apparently narrow, but not so in reality, a trick she had of holding them half shut habitually gave a false impression of their size and veiled the penetration of their glance also which was exceptionally keen in moments of emotion however she would open them to the full unexpectedly and then the effect was startling and peculiar and it was one of these transient flashes which surprised lady adeline when mr frayling made that last remark it was a mere gleam but it revealed Avadne to Lady Adeline as a flash of lightning might have revealed a familiar landscape on a dark night. She saw what she expected to see, but all transformed, and she saw something beyond, which she did not expect, and could neither comprehend nor forget. So far she had only thought of Avadne as a nice, quiet little thing, with nothing particular in her. From that evening, however, she suspended her opinion, suspecting something, but waiting to know more. Avadne was then in her eighteenth year, but not yet out. End of chapter 6